Well, I want to welcome Kevin Luco back to the show. And uh, Kevin, boy, I I got to say, I'm I'm pretty impressed with this new coaching staff for the Minnesota Wild. You know, it's, it was a two and two road trip, but you know, you got to do some. There's positive takeaways to come out of it that they did have the moxie to bounce back from losing two in a row to get a win on Sunday night to get back in the winning track again. So, you know, all in all, and there's going to be challenges now with Jonas Brodeen out for an extended amount of time. So we'll see what the, how the coaching staff can prepare Minnesota with that particular challenge. But, you know, I don't think there was a real clunker among the four games there playing on the road trips. So, and, you know, it was a weird schedule going back and forth between time zones, but I, I thought they made a good accounting of themselves. I thought so too, Kevin. You know, I, I think when you go out for a four-game road trip, especially when you have to go across the border for a few games and then come back, if you come away with 500, I, I think you got to feel pretty good about yourself. And as you mentioned, no, never blown out in any of those games. You felt like they were competitive in every one of them. And, and it just, I mean, I hate to use this cliche, but it does really look like there's a there's an extra pep in the step of the players out there. They just seem to be firing a little bit higher, higher energy-wise and really getting into the action a little bit more. And what I like, too, is Hines, now that he has a feel for his personnel, it seems like he's he's decided to mix up the lines a little bit. And it seems like, you know, one guy in particular, Matt Boldy, has a bump up in his game in the last week. So, so I, you know, it just seemed like Dean Everson. I mean, he would switch lines up, but it just he would give up on it really quick and go back to what he had. Whereas um, John Hines, he's... Not shy about shaking things up. Well, let's start with Boldy, uh, Kevin, because the the team begins uh, with a 5-2 victory in Calgary last week on Tuesday, and it was Boldy who really set the stage for this, assisting on the first goal by Felino. Then uh, Kaprizov gets his eighth goal of the season in the second. Then Boldy comes up with an unassisted goal. So 3 nothing lead for for Minnesota before uh, Calgary finally gets on the board, but Boldy comes back with his fifth goal of the season. Calgary is able to cut the deficit back to two once again before Erickson Eck delivers his 12th goal of the year to seal the victory at 5-2. Boldy with two goals and an assist out of there. And a couple of weeks ago, you were talking about he seemed to be, you know, where was Matt Boldy? But, but he really has seemed to have caught fire or, or, you know, figured out something with a new coaching staff in, in place. And I think, you know, people that have seen Boldy, I mean, this is his third season in Minnesota, people that have seen him play know that he is a very streaky player, and we were just waiting for him to get on one of these runs, and it looks like it's finally happened. For Minnesota, it is, oh, there we go, it is uh, Gustafson in the net for that victory. Kevin stops 28 of 30 shots. It looks like you know, I understand defense is playing a lot better in front of him, so he's going to get not see as many uh, high-quality opportunities against him. But it looks just a little more solid, a lot more than what a lot what of what we saw last year. I feel like he's kind of back in that rhythm again. Well, from reading quotes from Gustafson, it sounds like 
he felt like even back in uh, in a road loss to Buffalo that he was starting to feel like he was getting his game back. He felt like he had a good outing over in Sweden against Ottawa, and it's just taken off from there. So looks like Minnesota's finally getting what they expected out of a guy that was a Vezina candidate last season. On Thursday night, the team travels to Vancouver. Shout out 2 nothing. It's goals in the first and third period that are all that uh, Vancouver needs to come away with the victory. Uh, they, they get a fantastic performance out of Smith, who stops all 26 shots he faces uh, to earn the victory. Uh, unfortunately, a, a very solid performance by Gustafson. Didn't, wasn't tested a lot in the game, Kevin. Only faced 17 shots. But, I mean, as you say to us many times, you're, if you don't score, you're not going to win. No, you're not. Yeah, Vancouver's been a red-hot team. And really, it almost, you know, you don't take anything out of moral victories, but holding their offense to two goals was actually pretty impressive the way they've been putting the puck in the net so far this season. But, no, they just couldn't solve Casey Dismith at all. Yeah, 107 goals is tops in the NHL right now. So um, that is quite a feat against a very – very solid offense out there, to say the least. Back-to-back nights for the team, Kevin, as they travel to Edmonton on Friday. Unfortunately, come away with a 4-3 to loss. Um, it is oh, wait a minute. It is uh, Edmonton taking a one nothing lead, Boldy coming back to tie the score in the second period with his sixth goal of the season and third of the week. Harrison Eck gives his team the lead, but Connor McDavid ties the game. Connor Dewar scores his sixth goal in the second period to give the lead back to Minnesota. But uh, Edmonton comes up with the final two goals of the game, including the seventh of the season by Bouchard to, for the game winner, 4-3 to three loss. Uh, great back-and-forth affair. Edmonton, not an easy place to win. And I know, you know, you never feel good about losing a game. But as you talked about, you know, uh, you got to feel really good about the effort that this team is providing. Yeah, they were. I think they were all shot pretty badly in the game, but you know, it seemed like the difference was that play where Evander Kane boarded Jonas Brodine, hurting Brodine, and Matt Hartman retaliates, defending his teammate, and he picks up a penalty, and Edmonton scores on it. So, I mean, that that play was a turning point in the game, and for probably the next for the foreseeable future until. Rodine can come back. I know he's going in for surgery. You know, be, hockey being what it is, they're secretive on what it is. So, but it can't be a good thing if you're going in for surgery that you're not going to be back very soon. As Kevin said, Edmonton outshoots Minnesota forty to twenty in this contest. Mark Andre Fleury with thirty-six saves in the game gives up four goals, but that was quite a peppering he took from this Edmonton club, and and I thought played pretty well in the game, Kevin. <laughs> Well, he held them in the first, held them in the game in the first period when they were just outplayed badly, and they just didn't seem to have their legs after playing the night before. On Sunday, a three nothing victory against the Seattle Kraken. Gustafson stops all twenty four shots in this game to be the star of the contest. Uh, Boldy with his seventh goal of the season, fourth of the week. Another fantastic performance by him, Mark, Mark, excuse me, Marco Rossi with his ninth goal of the season, and Erickson Eck with his third goal of the week, uh, his 14th of of the season leading the team right now. Uh, It looks like kind of, as you were talking about these lines, I I really feel like the chemistry that he's found with his groups 
playing together really are clicking right now. I, I love Boldy playing with Kaprizov some, and, and that seems to be working for this club. I, I don't know what he saw in the film to really put these lines together, but it looks like you know, coaching staff has just figured out something, that they've really got the right blend. Yeah, well, you know, the big move they made was putting Erickson Eck up with Kaprizov and Bodie and then dropping Rossi down, I believe, between Zuccarello and and um, Marcus Johansson. So they said that Rossi's game had suffered a little bit, and he was batting through an illness, too, so there, there is also that factor, but... It seems like in previous years they've tried Erickson act with Kaprizov and it just, they couldn't get it going. So maybe this will be the time where they can find some magic. And, you know, we bemoan the struggles of Kaprizov and, and Boldy early in the year, but, boy, it's kind of overshadowed the start that Erickson Eck has had to his season. I mean, I think he's on like yeah. a 40-goal pace right now. Absolutely, 14 goals in 26 games right now is uh, right at about a 43-44 goal pace. So, um, that boy's stepping up his game this season for sure. Yeah, but go ahead. Well, I was just yawning. Sorry. Oh, no, no problem. So, so Kevin, 10-12-4 and four for Minnesota coming into this week, 24 points in seventh place, three points behind St. Louis right at this moment. Big week for the club is they have two games at home, Calgary and Vancouver coming back um, to town here. So I'm sure payback for Calgary, looking to try to get a little payback after losing 5-2 to two last week, looking to get a little payback against Vancouver after holding them to just two goals but losing that contest there in British Columbia. So what are you expecting out of the team in these two home contests? Well, I think they want to establish a game in front of the home fans. I think they got in a nice roll with the wins over Chicago and St. Louis in the last homestand. So, you know, these teams aren't in the division, but they're within the conference, and they're both clubs that you're going to probably be dealing with as far as trying to get a wild card spot. So, you know, I think Minnesota's got their confidence back, and I think we'll see two really good efforts and two really good hockey games. Let's drop down to the AHL, to the Iowa Wild, who start, began a four-game homestand last Tuesday, coming away with a huge 6-1 to victory over Rockford, Kevin, but it has not been pretty since. Lost both contests in Milwaukee over the weekend, right now losing to Chicago, as you and I are talking here uh, at the end of the second period, and you know, this is one of those spots that I feel for, like, the eye wild. It just seems over the last few years that you would start to see some life and you go, okay, like, they they go to Colorado and, and sweep there. And you're like, man, maybe this team's back on track. And then they come home, and all of a sudden they kind of throw a clunker out there, and you go, okay, well, now we're back to, you know, to this again. It, it just seems consistency with this team is very difficult for them to find. It's so weird, too, because it seems like with every day you're seeing more and more pieces of the lineup coming back from injury. And you're thinking, okay, all right, this is this is the time the lines look good and we're going to get rolling here. And it just, just hasn't got going. I don't know if it's 
guys just aren't finding that chemistry of playing together or if they're just running into teams that are playing well or what the deal is. I mean, they had an easy time with Rockford, and Rockford's had their lineup decimated with call-ups to Chicago. But against Milwaukee, they just, just couldn't really get on track, it seemed like. And likewise tonight against a Chicago Wolves team that's only won five games all year. So starting with last Tuesday night, Iowa jumps out to a 3 nothing lead. Jake Lucini and Simon Johansson both scored first period goals a little over two minutes apart to put Iowa on top, and they were rolling from there. Nick Patan scores his third goal of the season on the power play, 5.36 into the second. Rockford able to cut the deficit to two with an early goal in the third, but Iowa responds, I would say Minnesota, but Iowa responds with three goals to close out the contest, including Benny Letary getting a shorthanded goal at 7.44 in the third, Sammy Walker scoring his second goal of the season, a power play goal about four minutes later, and Kevin Conley closing out the scoring with a little over five minutes left in the contest to give Iowa the 6-1 victory. At that point, Kevin Jesper Volstead stops 30 of 31 shots for his third straight victory. Solid performance by the defenseman. Damon Hunt comes up with two assists in that contest. Carson Lambos with an assist in the game. Got an assist out of Brendan Miller. Looked like they were just really starting to blend together. You're getting a, a complete performance out of this team. I guess a Rockford club that they have really struggled against. I, you know, I was thinking, wow, that was that was a huge victory for this team to beat Rockford in that way right off the bat. It was, but, you know, like I just mentioned a little while ago, too, that Rockford has had a few guys called up to Chicago, that I think that put a little bit of a hole in their lineup. But, you know, you had an Iowa team that was feeling pretty good after two wins the weekend before in Colorado and then coming back from the dominant performance on early last week. So you're just thinking, all right, this team's getting ready to roll. But they return home. Oh, go ahead. No, I'll leave that in to you there. Okay. All right. Yes. All right. They return home on Friday for Milwaukee. Or stay at home on Friday. Sorry. Sorry. For Milwaukee, where they fall behind two nothing in the second period. Two power play goals by the uh, Admirals give uh, Milwaukee the lead. Both of them coming on the power play. I think I just said that. Minnesota able to battle back with two goals Iowa. in the span of about. Or Iowa. I don't know why I keep saying that tonight. Iowa, with two goals in the span of about three minutes in the third period, cut, make it so it's an even game. Kevin Conley with his second goal of the week. Jake Lucchini with his second goal of the week as well to make it tied at two. But Milwaukee comes up with two goals late, uh, scoring at 16.08 and then getting an empty net tally. Zane McIntyre played well in this game, Kevin, but um, Iowa just... I mean, and most of this game, I thought that they were dominant. They were playing much better than Milwaukee. Wound up out shooting them, but it was more than that. It was just seemed like a couple of lapses when they were shorthanded gave Milwaukee the edge, and they they come away with a victory in this game. It does seem like the penalty kill has been a bugaboo for Iowa in the last few games here, and I mean that ended up being a difference. I believe was a was that a late power play goal with Milwaukee, or were they? earlier in the game. They were right in the second period, 11-51 and 13-17. Yeah, so that, you know, when you're giving up power plays like goals like that and you're not scoring much yourself, it just makes it that much harder to try to dig in and try to get back in the game, which they did, but, um, you know, there was just a guy left open near McIntyre with a few minutes left in the game, and that was the difference. 
you mentioned that that penalty killing really struggling. That continued on to Saturday's game as Milwaukee t- jumps out again to a two nothing lead in this game. Uh, Dennis Gurianoff scores six oh four into the first period. Then a Jordan Gross power play goal fifteen twenty nine to the second period. Iowa responds with a power play goal of their own five oh three into the third, but another power play goal by Mark Jankowski. Jan- Jankowski, I'm sorry, Jankowski fifteen fifty four into the third makes it three to one and they add a late empty net goal to come away with a 4 to 1 victory. You know, I I got to be honest with you, be, beyond the penalty killing which really struggled against Milwaukee. Credit to the to the Admirals for figuring out how to get some goals out of this, but um just just struggling to try to figure out a way to get their own offense going and uh and three goals in those two games. I mean that that, that clearly shows that Milwaukee had their you know, kind of had their numbers, so to speak, but Iowa just couldn't figure out how to generate much out of coming away with 40 shots on Friday and 25 on Saturday. Uh, just really struggled against this Admiral's defense. Yeah, I know the third goal that Volstead gave up was a little bit of a leaker, but it just gets magnified that much more when your offense is struggling as bad as the Wild were over the weekend. That there's just There's just no room for air right now with this team. It's interesting because you mentioned, Kevin, that they got a lot of guys returned to this club through injury or just coming back from Minnesota, and you feel like, man, this offense should really start to jumpstart right at this point. Walker finally getting on the board with a couple of goals and Nick Batan back in the lineup and regular shifts for them. But it, they just it's just not there. And, and, and I, maybe it's, at this point it's just a problem with they're just having played with each other for a little while here, so it's trying to get that chemistry back again. Yeah, you know, there's a young guy too, Caden Bank here, who's making his AHL debut, debut, and he was, they're trying to get him into a groove. I mean, you still miss some guys too, like Nick Sweeney and Merrill, Greg Merrillis has not played for a while. Morales, I think his last name was. He was contributing earlier in the year. We haven't seen him for a while. But Dakota Mermis comes back to the wild from a stint with Minnesota. And and you're just thinking, okay, uh, the gang's getting back together. When when is this going to happen? And it just hasn't happened yet. I'd be very interested to see what happens in Minnesota with the Brodeen injury. If Galagoski or Bogosian just don't play well, could could you see Minnesota taking a flyer on a guy like Damon Hunt, bring him up and just commit to him playing a lot more minutes than he did with his little bit of a stint he had with the Wild earlier this year? Yeah, you might have to throw him to the Wolves and just see what you're going to get out of this here at this point. Um I mean, you you always talk about sometimes that a guy will come up and, and be at his very best when you put him when the pressure is at its at its most, and and this is kind of an opportunity for him to be able to do that to give him that kind of shot. And I guess a blow to, oh, it'd be a, yeah, be a big blow to Iowa. But you know, of all the young guys on their D line that have played this year, I, to me, Hunt's the one that has stood out the most. I mean, you got a guy like Carson Lambos who was actually a healthy scratch over the weekend. But I thought Damon Hunt's just proven he's the guy of the young guys he got. He's the one that's most in already. Absolutely. So far this season, in 14 games played, a goal and eight assists. 
which is pretty good because last year this defensive core, beyond like one guy, uh, did not produce much offense for them. But Hunt has been just a gem for them, I think, in the terms of the way that he's generated some offense for them right now. So um, it'd be interesting to see what his game looks like at the next level for sure, Kevin. Well, Kevin, how about uh, a week for the Iowa Wild? As you and I are talking again, Chicago leading 2-1 to one at the end of the second period. Then the team travels on to take on Rockford, uh, both Friday and Saturday night. Um, you've got to figure Rock. I mean, at Rockford at this point, I'm believing is not getting a huge number of their players back. Is that correct? No, it seems like the injury bug has hit the Blackhawks pretty good, and it seems like Cole Gutman and Joey Anderson have cemented their spot as regulars in that lineup for a while. So I think you're going to see a lot of the same crew that was in Iowa a week ago that the Iowa, the Wild were able to handle pretty easily. So that might be a big bonus for the club out there as they enter the week talking in tonight's action. Uh, still in third place at 9-11-2, holding a t- technically tied with Rockford uh, with both with 20 points, Milwaukee with 25 points, which is kind of tough that Milwaukee came away with four points this weekend. This, um, so that was kind of a tough swing for them. But still hanging on to that third position right now. And uh, fortunately, I feel like for this club, Kevin, is that uh, as you mentioned, Chicago, the, the, you know, th- this new scheme of not being affiliated, not working out for them so far early on. Grand Rapids struggling, but only one point behind Iowa, Rockford, and Manitoba, each tied with 20. It looks like this battle for maybe even Milwaukee, but for sure third through fifth place is going to be quite the, quite the contest heading down the rest of the season. It looks like the four teams are definitely going to be battling for those final three spots. Yeah, I think you're going to see a repeat of what happened last spring where we didn't know who was going to be in the playoffs until after the last day of the season. Well, let's jump down to the Iowa Heartlanders, Kevin. And I'm going to give this team – I'm I'm loving what they're doing down here. But i got to tell you, you get absolutely railed on Friday night, dropping 10-3, to then come back with an overtime loss and then win – and a shootout on Sunday. I mean, that's just coaching staff figuring out a way to get their guys to just throw that game out on Friday night and come back with a lot of gusto. I mean, I, I'm I got to give the staff a huge amount of credit. They're they're getting the most out of this club. They are, and you know that's amazing that you know, usually you think that go in a different direction where they'd win the first game, losing overtime, and then then get ran out of the house the third game as they're trying to get back home. But I thought it was – I thought they showed some moxie and getting that overtime, getting that win to in the third game of the weekend. So uh, fall behind early in the first period on Friday night. Jesse Jocks comes up with a sixth goal to tie the score. Then Kalamazoo responds with six unanswered goals to just blow this game open and take complete control of the contest. Um, a split between Drew DeRyder, who gives up five goals on 17 shots. Peyton Jones gave up five goals on 16 shots. Both looked challenged, we'll say, to say the least. But again, club just dust that off. They, you know, we lost, but now let's get back out and get into action. Lose four to three in overtime on, on Saturday in a game where they were trailing up pretty much all this contest, fell behind one nothing early in the first period again, but to tie the score. 
losing three to one in the second, but come back with back-to-back goals to tie the score, eventually losing 5-16 into overtime. A nice rebound performance by DeRyder, who winds up stopping 38 of 42 shots and taking the loss, but still played pretty well for the club. So um, not only getting blown out on Friday, Kevin, but falling behind by a couple of goals and coming back and force overtime. I, I thought just an, another gutsy performance by this team. Yeah, I thought it was kind of interesting that um, there wasn't any action for Hunter Jones over the weekend with Minnesota. Well, Minnesota there. I'm doing it now with the Heartlanders going with really um, with Peyton Jones and Drew DeRitter as their main two guys on the trip. So, you know, someone on their Facebook page made a really good point today because, you know, that's where you go for the real news. Right. You know, it would be nice if there was like a dedicated beat writer for this team where you could find out stuff like, okay, why wasn't Peyton Jones on this trip? And uh, Jesse Jacks just got traded to Florida for a defenseman, which was, you know, a lot of people found surprising because he was off to a good start this season. So sort of the thing that they need more defensive help, did Jacks want to move? In, you know, it's... Without someone following this team day to day, it just makes it really tough to get a really good grasp of what exactly is going on with the organization. You're absolutely right about that. On Sunday, Casey Dornbach scores 48 seconds into the second period after a score of this first period to give Iowa their first lead over the weekend. Uh, Jack Dugan ties the score at 350. Neither team is able to generate much offense through the third period. That sends the game to overtime where Davis Coach comes up with his 13th goal of the season. This guy's off to just a phenomenal season. That's starting start of the season here, Kevin. Out of nowhere for this club right now um, with the game winner. Uh, Dornbach with a goal and assist in the contest. And Peyton Jones, after a tough Friday night, comes back with 43 saves. The Peyton Jones who come to love at this point. So a nice victory for the club out there. Uh, coming away with three points uh, on the road. Um, and so, man, that's, I think everything you want out of this club, you come away with a three-point weekend. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, it's a 500 road trip. Now you finally get some home games, and but you got a little momentum going into a little bit of stretch playing at home. So right now in the Central Division, Iowa holding on to that second spot right now, 10-8-4. They are with 25 points, or 24 points, excuse me, five behind the Toledo Walleye, two ahead of Kalamazoo. As Kevin mentioned, the team gets to come home here for a, a three-game series against Toledo, who enters the weekend 13-4-3, and 29 points, five-point edge over Iowa right now in this division. Um, but, hey, this is the team you're chasing. And this is the team that inevitably, if, if you're – going to make any kind of in-depth playoff run, you're going to face the lead along the way. So I, early on in the season, I still think you're you're looking to make a statement here. And not, and not only are you chasing them, but you're also trying to hold off. If you look at the, the division standings from like second or third place all the way down to the bottom, there, there's not much um, separation right now. So you got to be on top of your game every weekend. If you get a weekend where you drop three in a row, boy, you're going to, you're going to fall in the standings real quick. Yeah, absolutely. So 
Kalamazoo, Wheeling, both with 22 points. Cincinnati, Indy, Fort Wayne, all with 21 points. That's uh, three points behind. It's the worst place behind Iowa right now, and that's three clubs. And, you know, I mean – I mean, it's too early, obviously, to be scoreboard watching at this particular point of the season. But I, but I, you got to feel like there's some footsteps behind you all the time. I mean, every game is almost like a playoff game, and, and I hate to say that 22 games into the year, but uh, none of these teams are going away anytime soon. And so you got to really come out here and give your A game almost every night here because you you know as you mentioned, let's say you lose all three to Toledo this weekend. If any one of those teams came away with two wins, or let's say three of those teams came away with two wins, all of a sudden you're in fifth or sixth. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, I mean, there's no messing around now. Yeah, and I think that's just in the end. You know, we we got to look at the purpose of the league, which is to try to develop guys for either Iowa or Minnesota. And I just think if you got some plain and relevant games, that's just only going to make it better for these players' development. So we getting Gavin Hain down from Iowa. Hain was released from his professional tryout with the Iowa Wild. And they're thinking that maybe because Haynes back then may have necessitated the move to send to send um, jocks to Florida because, I mean, as the UCHL, you only dress 11 forwards, so... You know, there's going to be a be an odd man out when you only got 11 forwards. It might be a pretty decent player that's not going to be dressing. So I'm guessing they figured Jacks had a good start to their season. Maybe they need some help on the blue line. So, you know, sell high, right? We should mention Hunter Jones did return to the Heartlanders on Sunday. Oh, he didn't did. see any action in that game. Yeah. Didn't see any action in that game, and uh, yeah, you know, I, I I understand, and you and I have talked about it for three, four years that the organization seems high enough on this guy to keep giving him a shot, but didn't play any for the Heartlanders this last weekend, hasn't played any for the the Iowa Wild recently. I mean, I I, I don't even, here in 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 I in, uh, for the Heartlanders in Coralville, the last time this guy was on the ice was. 12 months, so 10, 11 days ago. I'm, and he gave up six goals in that game. You know, I, I'm, I'm wondering, what are you going to get out of this guy? The inconsistency of ability to play, I, I, I must think that his progress through the system is dead. I, I don't see this guy really being, having any chance in this, in, this, excuse me, in this Minnesota system. Well, I, think, I just think there's um last four months of the season is just going to be huge as the wild organization are going to have to make some sort of call on him because you're going to see Volstead in the NHL next year. So generally with your AHL team, I don't know how many years McIntyre wants to play. So generally you try to have a goalie with experience in Iowa and then you have a guy that's a prospect and you know, is Jones ready to be the prospect guy? And if not, you know, that's when Minnesota's got to look at, okay, is there a guy playing the AHL with somebody else Is there that we could trade for that could be a prospect, that could be a guy that we could count on as an up-and-coming goalie? So, so yeah, I think these this 
the next four months of hockey is going to be very big in what direction Hunter Jones' career is going to take. You're a guy who watches a huge amount of college hockey. Is Peyton Jones a a potential AHL goalie next year for the Iowa Wilds? I think he very well could be. I mean, he played... He played in a conference in the Big Ten that you look at right now, the Big Ten is cranking out a lot of big-time professional players. And so Jones, you know, night in and night out for Penn State was facing quality players. So, I, yeah, I, I definitely think that um, you can see Jones get an opportunity with the NHL as soon as next year. So it'd be interesting if the club decided to move in that direction. I, I think if you're Hunter Jones and you're thinking, you know, is to, if if Minnesota offered me a contract, you know, or the or, or the organization itself, I should say, offered me a contract for next year, the potential for him to get playing time really should happen. I mean, if Peyton Jones went up to the AHL, he could be the number one guy in Coralville. And if they decided to keep Peyton Jones down in Coralville, he could be the at least the backup in. Des Moines. So, I mean, I, you know, I don't know, but I'm, I'm hoping that this at least gives him a shot. I like Hunter a lot, um, and I'm hoping that he does get that kind of opportunity. And, and hopefully next year it would seem that the cards may be right for him to get a chance. I mean, who's to say, too, you know, if uh, McIntyre doesn't come back next year, maybe it's a situation where both the Jones could um, find themselves in the AHL. Very good point. See, that's why we have Kevin on here, always for the great points out there. Well, Kevin, I think that uh, wraps up the week for the Minnesota Wild organization out there. Um, Man, of all the the teams that are going on right now, it looks like the Heartlanders have the most difficult week against Toledo, the most to gain out of the week, too, I I can honestly say, because they could do some some real help to their own cause chasing after the walleye. but as you look ahead to this week, uh, what, what, what do you kind of look at as a highlight for you personally you're going to be watching, maybe? Um, I would say, you know, between uh, three, if you're asking about the organization as a whole, I think we're going to see if Minnesota can continue their stretch of putting good games together. And I think um, it's going to be... A, a big three-game stand for the Heartlanders and trying to establish themselves as a force in their home ice after playing a lot of games on the road and trying to trying to get some momentum going into the holiday break. Well, Kevin, how about if we close out the show with a, since it is Christmas time, how about if Kevin gives us a great present with a cheery past memory from Minnesota Wild history? How about that? Hmm. I am going to mention, you know, I think of like Christmas presents. And I can remember one year I gave tickets to my wife and stepdaughter for a game against Chicago. Game was in January. 
And Chicago just absolutely blew Minnesota off the ice for the first two periods of the game. I remember going to my friends at the game because I sat in a different spot. I'm like, wow, this is just men versus boys tonight. And Minnesota, when the crazier comes back, comeback scores, I believe, three or four third-period goals to tie the game up and then wins in a shootout against Chicago. Which, you know, at the time, that was when you had, had um, Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, Crawford, Patrick Sharp, you know, back during the prime time of the Blackhawks. But Minnesota, after just being left in the dead, just made this incredible comeback on a January evening in St. Paul. And I ended up being a good Christmas present for my now wife and stepdaughter. After all. Fantastic. Kevin Loco, thanks for joining us this week. My pleasure.